my friends, this is Sage Bernardo and I am the owner of Bernardo Effects and I'm the host of the podcast show It's All About The Tone. It's been a while, I know, but I'm back. Uh, some interesting interviews are coming um, and I want to tell you about the next one, um, which is with Oz Noy. Oz agreed to do the show. And it was a fun, fun interview. Um, I think you guys will enjoy it. So, as I said, I'm back. A lot of interviews are coming. And I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. So have some fun. Hello there again, this is Sage Bernardo, and I am the owner of Bernardo Effects, and I'm the host of this podcast show, It's All About the Tone, and this is episode six. If you guys rocking like I do, um, this new music is coming from the great Osnoy, and we are lucky to have Oz with us today. Hey, Oz, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, I want to say uh, before we start with all the questions and 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 uh, to know about you, I, I have like a little uh, uh, a personal thing I wanted to tell you. When we when we booked that show. Um, a week ago or like a few days ago, I didn't even think about it. Uh, when you say it's Saturday, I didn't even think about it. But today is actually the uh, anniversary for my father and my sister passing. Um, oh, wow. And, um, and I'm so glad that we did it because it's kind of like taking me a little bit away from the sadness. Sure, sure. So I'm so glad you chose that day. So thank you for that. Yeah. How you doing uh, doing all that COVID craziness? It's okay here. It's been okay so far in New York. You know, it's, it's kind of as good as it can be, really. But I don't know, winter's coming, so... <laughs> Gee, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not far away from you in Kentucky, Will, so it's, it's pretty cold. And, and uh, yeah. you know, sometimes we get into negative um, 15. Ugh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not normal. It's not normal. New York? get that far like you know and if it's really really bad it gets to i think it gets to 15 not minus 15 and it's been in the zeros a couple of times but it doesn't happen a lot you know right 
Right. But uh, so anyway, let me ask you this. Uh, 15 is not fun either. Uh, no. Well, you know, I'm talking about Fahrenheit, not Celsius. No, I know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I moved to uh, uh, Kentucky, um, and it was my first winter. And I actually lived in New York, so, you know, I've, I've, I've seen snow and I've seen cold, and I know what cold is. And then one day I'm I'm getting out and it's like I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking I was like minus ten. What yeah. am I dreaming? <laughs> but you know it's yeah. it's uh, it's kind of a dry cold over here, so you don't feel it as harsh. You know, wow. so so I remember I used to send my parents pictures of me standing outside with t-shirts and shorts. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But anyway, oh, let, let's let's go back to business. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's millions of people who know who you are, but I also want to uh, talk to the people that maybe never heard about you. So, can you tell us just a little bit history, kind of like where you came from, your history a little bit, and then we go from there. Yeah. So, well, I, I I grew up in Israel, and I moved to New York in '96 when I was 24. So up to the time that I moved to New York, I was, I was doing kind of everything I could in Israel. Like I did a lot of jazz gigs. I played with a lot of pop and rock stars there. I did a recording session. I was doing a lot of TV stuff. Like I was in a house band of a TV show. And I, so all the usual stuff that professional guys do in Israel, right. you know? Right. And then I moved to New York and I've been in New York since 96. And during the time... Um, I managed to make 10 solo albums on my own, of wow. my own. The new record is my 10th solo album. So the one yeah. that we just played, the new one, is it out or is it coming? It, it's, uh, well, it's already, you can pre-order and it's shipped already, but okay. it's coming out November 20th. So it's like in like two weeks. Beautiful. Um, I love it too. And um, so that's my 10th solo album. And in the same, and on on the all through the same time that I'm making solo albums, I'm just doing sideman stuff. So either I'll play, you know, just like doing recording sessions or playing with other people or doing some tours. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, I'm, if you go on my website, you can see how I play. Right, right, right. And you know, I'm going to include all the information about you on the episode show, so people can actually go and find out about you and all that. Um, yeah. Was there any reason you chose New York? Is it because of the jazz or is it just like, uh, well, let me try New York and see what happened? Now, what, what, what it was is when I was in Israel, since I'm like 16, I think, people always told me you have to go to New York. You know, Israelis have this kind of thing about America, you know? Right, right. But New York was always a part, big part of it. And a lot of the music that I liked kind of came out of there, and especially the jazz scene. And then uh, four years before I moved there, a couple of good friends of mine moved there and had pretty good jazz careers there. So I didn't go there basically to only play jazz. I actually didn't go to New York to become a solo artist. I never thought about it. Okay. But I just wanted to go there and play with good players and develop. And, and um I knew that the jazz scene there is like nothing else, and it's still nothing like nothing else. It's the only place to be, really. Right, um, right, right, right. But um, 
I remember coming to New York in the beginning because I was always into blues and funk and all that stuff. And I go like, wow, there's none of that here. Right. But it took me a minute to find where the good stuff is, you know? So when I came, the thing that blew my mind was the jazz scene immediately. It was like, oh my God, this is... So I would say that that's probably the reason I stayed, but... Um, there's other stuff in New York, obviously, except of the jazz thing. That's fantastic. Right, it's just right. that that took me a minute to find, you know, all the really good players and all that kind of. Right, right, right. Well, you know, the reason I'm asking is because uh, a lot of um, people, I mean, a lot of Israelis, you know, we both uh, uh, were born in Israel. A lot of them actually are going to L.A. Um, and in fact, I moved to L.A. in 97 and I went to Musician Institute. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that was the reason yeah. I moved there. Um, so, so, you know, so, so when you, when, when I heard, cause I heard you, I heard your name floating through the years until we met at name, you know, because I'm, I was working I'm with Seymour Duncan and we met a few times there, but yeah. people kind of like, Hey, have you heard that guy Oz, Osnoy and all that? Like, I know I never heard of him and all that stuff. So, so when I, I when I read it, you went directly to New York which was to me was like almost like the opposite of what most Israelis do. Uh, I was like, okay, has to do with jazz, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and I think you know I read I read on your website. It's like you know it's it's a it's a funk and jazz and rock and blues and getting it all together. And I and I might say I I, I do think that you have your own sound. Uh, uh -huh. Because the first video I've seen of you, somebody sent it to me, said, hey, said you got to watch this. And I think you were doing a, a major scale, but like an, an octave major scale. Uh, octave displacement. Yes. Yeah. And I've never seen it before. And I was like, well, that guy's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's not my idea it's Pat Martino I, I, all that stuff came from Pat Martino I developed it on my own but the idea was not mine <laughs> well you, you know what but hey I, I saw you first and I was like okay I like it so uh, but yeah that's cool um, so so you moved to New York in 96 and then do you remember your first gig or who were like the first people you played with or Got well, I remember my, I think my first gig was some chick, jazz chick singer in some, I don't know, some cafe, like, you know, like some, right, that was right. a weird stuff. And then uh, there's a place in, the bitter, uh, the, the, in New York called The Bitter End, and there was a jam there every mo Sunday. Okay. It's still going, it's still kind of going on when things are okay, but... Um, so friends of mine told me, you got to go to the gym, you got to go to the gym. So I went to the gym, and the guy that ran the gym called me a couple of times. He liked me, and he's kind of an, uh, you know, he likes Israelis or whatever. Right. So he started calling me sometimes to do the gym as the house band. I haven't done it regularly, but I've done it on and off. That was maybe my first kind of gig where I played for people, you know? Right. And, and then... Then I started playing that place regularly, and I played the bitter end for 17 years straight every wow. week. Yeah, that's how I made all my records, because I was able to develop all my music wow. playing. I played every Monday night from 2000. I played there since I moved to New York, like uh, like once a month, maybe some twice a month, right. but since right. 2002 till 
2019. I played there. Wow. Uh, I played there almost, to, actually, almost to 2020. I played there every Monday when I was in town. Wow. So I've done like all, probably a thousand gigs there. Wow. But wow. that's how I developed my band and my music and my solo career okay. through that place. You okay. know, otherwise I probably wouldn't have done where I've gone, okay. you know. So, so when you moved to New York, so you, you kind of like your thought, like, I wanted to be a musician, uh, uh, a studio musician, or it was... I just, I just wanted to work. I always gotcha. love to do studio work. I always love to play pop music. I love to play rock music. But I'm basically, my education is jazz. So I always play jazz and rock and that stuff. I always did it both, both things. And in Israel, my friends always used to give me shit about it. It's like, oh, you got to decide what you want to do or not. <laughs> And I was like, no, I don't. You know? <laughs> yeah. So actually, my, the, the first thing that I did in New York that was kind of worthwhile was, um, you know, the singer, the pop singer, Gavin DeGraw? Yeah. Yeah, he's, a pretty, he's got a lot of big hits. So I actually met Gavin the first time. It was like, it was in 99, I think, something like that. Um, I got, I used to... There was a club not far from my house, and the owner of the club had a club date band. They used to do, like, you know, wedding bands, right, and right. I started to work for them a little bit here and there. Okay. And they kind of liked me because they knew I can play more than the average, you know. Right, right, yeah. So they had an uh, a, a R&B night every Sunday night at that club, and you used to have a lot of different people coming, like Stevie Wonder would come and jam, Prince will come wow. and jam. It was pretty heavy. Wow. So... One night, but it was an R&B jam, and one night, Gavin, he was at the time, was like 20, came in and sang, and somebody called that owner of the club and said, you got to hear this guy. He's like, you know, he's the real deal. So she heard him, and she immediately started to manage him. So what happened was she called me and a few other guys. She was like, hey, can we do a showcase for Nile Rogers? Because she was very close with Nile. So I remember going to the club and meeting Gavin, and I remember as soon as he played two chords on the piano and started to sing, I was like, okay, this is this the is real. <laughs> so I played with him in that club for two years straight. We played every Monday for two years straight. It was a duo or a trio. Right. And, and, and everybody in the industry and their mom came through there to wow. check him out. It was like at the time, it was when the record companies were still right, in right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like my first kind of gig that was for real, you know? And then I actually put the band together for him after two years. I was like, dude, enough with the acoustic shit. Let's do it for real. So we did that. <laughs> and a few months after that, he got signed. And I had a little, it wasn't really a falling out, but, you know, the things get weird in that business. So I stopped playing with him. Well, you know, I play with him on and off on showcases, right. and I did that. When he released his first record, we did an acoustic version of that, the strip record. So I played on that. And then I stopped on his tour maybe once or twice, and sometimes he'll call me to do recording. So he's like my brother. He's like my little brother. I still see him sometimes, so he okay. calls me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have a long history, but that was my first kind of gig that became... I, when he became really big... I wasn't touring with him, but I was involved in this thing since the beginning, really. I got you. And in the, so that was like my pop, uh, my first kind of thing. And then I always played 
And then I started to play my band, my electric band. Okay. And that's been going on since. That just got developed on the side while I was doing other things, you okay. know? Okay. So when I came to New York, I really just wanted to play. I didn't care what I wanted, what it was. Right. As I said, I, didn't, I, I wasn't thinking of being a solo artist. It wasn't anything that was in my right. mind, right. you know? But man, so that, doing 10 albums in, I call it such a short time. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's know? basically... It's basically, it's a studio album every two years, and in the middle, there's like two live albums, and I, there's actually 11 albums that I did. One of them is a side project with a band that I, that's called Ozone Squeeze. That's kind of my band with a singer and okay. a drummer. So, you know, so yeah, I kept, artistically, I kept myself inspired through the whole, <laughs> all those. <laughs> I don't know if uh, money-wise, it's the... the smartest thing to do but artistically um you know well you know i mean look at the history most of uh the genius artists were poor and then they became rich after they died so. well thank god i'm not a genius you know <laughs> well you know i think you are in your own domain so uh uh you know de definitely you can see it on the the, the response that people write about you and and everywhere i see you i mean it's pre it's pretty impressive uh, that's what i think oh well, very kind thing. oh you're welcome <laughs> Okay, cool. So um, let's play one more song from your new album. Um, and I think this one is called Boom, Boom, Boom. Oh, yeah. Boom, Boom, Boom. Boom, Boom, Boom. Okay, there we go. Well, I want to make sure you guys go and buy the album so you're not going to get all the song of it <laughs> because Correct, yeah. we do need to make a living. Um, right. So, um, you know, the, 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 the names that are appearing on all your albums, all the players are pretty impressive. So can you share with us some of the uh, players that are? 
Um, it's the same guys that I've been playing for a really long time, you know. It's just basically the guys that I like to play with. Right. Um, I never use anybody I don't like to play with. <laughs> <laughs> um, on this last album, this, this album, let me explain. This album is basically the volume two of my last album. The last album that I released a year and a half ago is called Boogaloogaloo. And that, that was a kind of a Boogaloo-style album. Okay. It's like maybe like um, jazz, 70s jazz, when jazz started to meet the electric music and okay. R&B and stuff like that. So that was the kind of idea behind it. And then I wrote all these tunes that kind of fit it. So when I recorded that album about two years ago, I recorded too many songs. So me and the record company guy, we thought of maybe releasing it as to a double album but then he said why don't you just release two albums okay so this is the volume two of the of the boogaloogaloo okay and, and then so there was a couple of tunes that were recorded already from those sessions okay and then i i went in the studio again and recorded a few more gotcha um and so so snapdragon the new album is basically volume two of that other album okay. um so it was recorded in three sessions. So one session was one session was uh, Vinnie Caliuta and John Patitucci. Wow. Was the rhythm section. Another another session was Dave Wacko and James Genus was the rhythm section. And then the the third session when I recorded new more new music was Dennis Chambers and Will Lee. Okay. Um and um, the keyboardist is Brian Charette. He played with me a lot, so he played on everything. And then I had a bunch of different guests. I kind of like to have guests on tracks to kind of make it a little spice it up. So right. on this album, I kind of, I kind of felt like just calling friends of mine that just I play with, or so you know, Adam Rogers, guitar player, is a good friend of mine. He played on the track. Okay. Dave Kikowski, piano player. Chris Potter played on the track, saxophone player. Wallace Roney is not really a friend of mine, but I did a record with him. Uh, some Miles tribute record. And I was always a big fan of his, so he played on it. He passed away from COVID, but he... Oh, Lord. Uh, wow. Yeah, but he's kind of the greatest. And so he played on it, and then um, some other New York jazz guys that are friends, like this guy John Snyder is a really good trumpet player, okay. and uh, Jason Linder. So that's basically what it is. But the most important thing to me is to get the rhythm section thing together right, you know? So... Yes. Yeah. Um, Drums Those are the bass. guys that I've been playing with on and off for a really, really long time. So I kind of feel comfortable, and I, I kind of know what I'm going to get out of them. And you know, so, so you've been much. so, for instance, like Vinny, uh, you, you've been you've been playing with him for a while. Well, Vinny, Vinny, on and off, like Vinny, I never toured with Vinny. I wish I could, but um, Vinny played on a couple of my records before. Yeah. So, and I've done a couple of things here, here and there with him, but um. Uh, that's pretty much how I, okay. you know. Okay. And I, but I've I've known and worked with him, like on and off. It doesn't happen often, but it happens enough. Like uh, I work with him. I, he played the first record he played for me was my second solo album, which was okay. fuzzy. That was like 2005, I think, or six. Okay. So yeah. I've been I've known him and did stuff with him since, you know. Yeah. And then Dave Weckl, I've been touring and playing with him pretty heavily for like over 10 years and he played on another record of two other records of mine um dennis chambers is the only guy that i um started to play with only the like really started to play with and tour with on the last two or three years right right 
Uh, Willie played with Willie and James Genus have been playing with me for like 20 years. We've oh, done wow, like, that long? Yeah, wow. Yeah, I've done like probably, I don't know, like a thousand gigs with each of wow. them, you know, like literally, you know, like between touring and record, whatever. And then John Petitucci, I've been playing with him maybe seven years, and okay. he's kind of on and off, you know, sometimes you play, don't play, you know. So all those guys, those are kind of the main guys. Okay. And, um, that's it. And then the other guys are just kind of guests, you know, I got to you. make it okay. spicy. And um, I think I read somewhere that, um, uh, did you record for Chris Body or he was recording for you? Who? Chris, Chris, Body? Chris Body? No, with Chris, I, I worked with him for a short time, a, a bunch of years ago. Okay. Um, I did a tour with him. I did a tour with him in Europe, like a short thing. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, well. Yeah, yeah, I play with him a couple of times, but I've known him forever. And you know, it's like I actually saw him a year ago at the Blue Note. I haven't seen him forever, but yeah, but I, I play with him. You know, he has a revolving band, so I, I was in, I was stopping for somebody for a little bit, so I played with him. I don't know, gotcha. Of gig. Yeah. Gotcha. And I see um, Mike Stern. One of my favorites. Yeah, Mike, Mike is a good friend of mine. I know Mike since I moved to New York, like literally, okay. you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the only guitar, I, I took two guitar lessons since I moved to New York. I took one from Mike Stern and one from Pat Martino. Wow. So when I when I called Mike Stern for a lesson, I came over, he gave me a kind of a lesson, and then he goes like, here, come over and play. So I started to go to his house and play. And it's that, I know I've been playing with his, with Mike for like, I don't know, over 20 years, like literally, you know? Wow, yeah. So, Mike so is still. such he's such a great guy, you know? I mean, like, uh, I've, I've known Mike, uh, not not personally that close, but I've known him for, for many years. And it's it's so fun to see him. Every time you see him, he's smiling. You know, oh, no yeah. matter what. Uh, yeah, I just talked to him the other day. But, but, you know, like, it's kind of up and down. Sometimes, I, you know, I won't see him for a while, and then something goes like, hey, come and play. And we I go down to his house and we play. Right, right. But I've known him for so long, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a great guy. So um, if we kind of like, it's, it's kind of like a going back a little bit, but who were your main influences uh, as a young guitar player? I think, well, it, I think it started... Um, Probably the Bright Size Lux record, the Pepentine record, was a big thing. Okay. There was a record called Sunday Night in San Francisco with yeah. Paco de Los Aldi Mill and, and, and uh, mm. McLaughlin. I think that record was a huge impact on me. It wasn't a, It wasn't because of the, it was Spanish music, it was because of the virtuosity yes. on that record. It's yes. still this day, yes. mind-blowing. Yes. So that's... Those are like some of the records. And then once I heard the first time I heard Ellen Holford, I couldn't believe it. Wow. Which another and, one we uh, lost uh, lately. Yeah. And yeah. Scott Henderson was a big deal at the time. It's uh, funny you saying uh, it because I was like, there's one song we're going to play pretty soon over here that does yeah. have that Scott Henderson influence, I think. Yeah. So here's, um, I would say, um, um, well, here's the thing, like, Pepe Martini is probably the reason why I play guitar professionally or play jazz, really. Right. But um, McLaughlin had a big influence, too, because the first jazz sh show I've seen in Israel was McLaughlin and a bass player. So okay. In a big, you know, place. And, and then... Um, was that the Red Sea Festival? No, it was in the uh, Chalat you know. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But, but 
I think those were all like influenced when you kind of start developing, not just George Benson, Scofield, but what happened is once I started to go and study regularly with some teachers, then they guide me towards like what I really need to learn. And then I got heavily into bebop. So it's Charlie Parker and all those, but Powell Monk, which is still a big influence. So Wes Montgomery was a huge influence. Man, I, I was actually a Wes Montgomery clone for years. I played with a thumb. Yeah. I played all music. There was a point in my life where I could put a Wes Montgomery record and play the whole record by heart wow. with a record. Wow. Like the solo, yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. So that's a big deal. Um, Kenny Burrell, Grant Green, all that stuff. But in the same time, that that was the jazz part of me. I always loved heavy rock, so I grew up in the 80s. So there, were all, there was all the Vibes and Satriani and Greg Howe and those guys. But then, and then, then I discovered Eric Johnson. Okay. And then Jeff Beck. And then Steve Ray Vaughan. And once you kind of discovered Steve Ray Vaughan, then that took me into the blues area. And gotcha. Like everybody, I was a Steve Ray Vaughan clone for a really short time. I was a very bad, I'm not a good imitator. <laughs> so I, but, that, but then I started to get more into the blues stuff. So I started to learn more where it's coming from, like B.B. King, Albert King, Freddie King, you right, know, all right, those right, guys. Right. So, um, that's pretty much it, you know. I would say that I'm more of a I'm a jazz I'm a jazz musician that can do Some all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. So, uh, were you were you self taught uh, for in your no. in the beginning, or you took lessons? I don't. I'm not good at being self taught. I always go to teachers. You okay. Know? Yeah, I developed by myself, but I, I go to teachers to show me. The material, you know right, what I mean? Right. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you go to uh, Ramon School of Music? No, no. I only I only went for to a few private teachers. I never went to university. I wish I did. I still want to. Uh, Amos, Amos was one of them? Adani, yeah, of course. He was my yeah, teacher. Yeah, he, he was my first real good guitar teacher, yeah. He was my first uh, first teacher, yeah, too. I mean, there's, so, like, yeah. there's nothing like Amos, you know. Because I remember, I remember, you know, I, I taught myself, I started to play guitar when I was uh, maybe 11. So from yeah. 11 till 21, yeah. I had no formal instrument. You know, it's all by, you know, we had a record, yeah. like we used to move the needles or the cassette tapes or whatever. So, and that's how I learned. But when I went to uh, get Amos, I remember my first lesson with him. I realized how much I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's why you got. I know, teacher, and it was like, oh my lord! So he he impressed, and we are very very good friends till. Oh, I till love now. I mean, He's a great Recently guy. Recently asked me to play on a project that he was doing, and it was so it was such a great feeling. Like my teacher asking me. To play on <laughs> I know, I know. He's a great guy. Wow. And other than Amos, there were any any other. Well, there was another guy in Israel at the time. His name was Emil Ram, and he. Interesting story. He he's a bass player that used to live in New York, and he was one of those Barry Harris disciples. Barry Harris is a very famous jazz pianist that has a system of teaching bebop. Okay. So he was one of his students, and then he became one of his bass players. So when he came back to Israel, I met him, and he was a really really good traditional jazz player, and he taught me traditional jazz. Like he taught me the Barry Harris system which got me to learn how to play like West Montgomery and all that kind right, of stuff. Right, right, right. 
Okay. Yeah. So so and after that I just moved to New York and then again as I said I took one lesson from Mike which was from Stern which was I don't know it was cool and then I took I took one lesson from Fred Martino that was great. Wow. Yeah, but that's it. I would love to take more lessons, but I don't think people will take me seriously now if I call somebody. Why? For ah. because they go like, oh, I can teach you everything. You already know everything. <laughs> that's what I would say if somebody like you know, like one of the guys will call right. me to. Well, you know, I mean, I always find, you know, even today, you know, and I've been playing uh, 35 years, maybe, maybe even more. Yeah, about 35, 37 years now. Um, yeah. But I, I do find that there's always something to learn, you know. Oh, yeah. And I do take lessons. I still take, do take lessons. And some of our friends... I do take sometimes like Skype lessons with them. You know, we do trades or, or, or even pay somebody one. Just because of certain things they do that, I don't know. It's like, come yeah. on, I'd show me this, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I still do it. And I'm, I'm studying now ear training since the COVID thing started. It was a good opportunity for me to start to learn ear training, which is great. Which is that great. Yeah, it's, 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 that was my toughest, um, the toughest uh, um, subject to touch when I went to, a remote school of music and also in LA man those ear training stuff I mean if you it's don't tough. know I, oh, oh it's tough it's tough it suck I suck at it really badly Ooh. and you know and uh, uh, not a lot of people know I actually uh, uh, my first episode I had do you know Johnny Highland yeah I know uh, of him yeah. yeah so we had our first episodes he was the one I, I actually kind of like told the broke the news Because a lot of people don't know. I'm deaf on one side. Oh, you are? Completely deaf since I was four years old. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. so, so uh, you're mono. You're, huh? you're, mon you're here in mono. Yes, I do. You know, so <laughs> I, I, I actually don't need this. <laughs> wow. wow. But yes, I was, I was, I'm, I'm deaf since I was four. Um, wow. But it's funny that um, and, and I, I mentioned it to Johnny when we talked, I, music was such a big part of my life that I think that only one ear that I have got so sensitive and yeah. so tuned that I can hear stuff that maybe, I don't know, maybe a normal musician don't hear, you know? Wow. So it helped me in a way, um, in, yeah. in that department, but ear training was always a tough yeah, one tough. for me. It is, it is. Let's play one more song from your uh, coming album, and I believe it's called Evidence.
And as I mentioned before, guys, go and buy the album. <laughs> I'm not going to give it for free, but uh, yes, you can find Oz music on, I guess, all uh, media and right iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. Um, sure. But and this one will be available on there. When you said November 20, uh, it's already available. You can already order it. Okay, you can. It, it's uh, the official release is November 20th, but it's already available. It's already. I know there was all these pre-orders. I have to sign the CDs, and people already got the record and stuff. So, it's, so here's a crazy question for you: on vinyl? Yeah. No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have. I don't have a, a vinyl. How do you call it? A, like a turntable. A turntable. So why the hell do I need to make vinyl for? Well, I mean, you can you know you can buy one for cheap. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I just yeah. you know I mean. <laughs> I don't know. You can probably see behind me. There's a lot of yeah, real, yeah, real, real like, and and tapes and all that. And I can tell you this, you know, ever since CD came to our lives in '82, yeah, you know, uh, all wow. these years, I think they kind of trained us to listen to that format. Yeah, of and now that I'm listening to the analog yeah. way, yeah, I'm just amazed. Wow what we are missing, you know, because yeah. we're missing a lot, you know. It's a uh, different thing. It's a different texture. For it sure. is. And, you know, and somebody somebody said it before, and I think he's, he's so right. Our ears are analog. There's nothing digital in our ears. Yeah. You know? right. So if you think about it, it's, 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 you know, you're hearing it analog. <laughs> so you want to hear the analog format to experience the, because I can tell you me, myself, and even a lot of people that stuck with the analog sound, it's it just does something uh, in your body that that yeah, it resonates in a different way. I guess it is. You're right. Yeah, so maybe maybe you should think about releasing your next. It is. You know, I wouldn't mind doing it, but it's not really, from my understanding, it it's just not really worth pressing those records because. It's for collectors. It's for people that that's what they do. And then most of what you sell these days are through going on tour. Like people don't buy CDs anymore. Right, don't right, buy right. And, and, and schlepping vinyls on tour is impossible. No, I mean, that's for sure. But but I can tell yeah. you this, this, that a lot of uh, musicians these days releasing everything new in all formats, yeah. including vinyl. I might do it one day. It's not up to me, it's the record company, but sure, yeah, I'm, I'm, if they decided that they think it's going to sell, then sure, or people will be interested, I'll, I don't mind it. I know, I'll buy one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one, one copy for me. <laughs> so um, let me ask you a little bit about your equipment and sound. Yeah. So I've seen you... A lot of pictures I see you with a Strat, but I do see a lot of videos with a Telecaster. Is there any favorite guitar that you... It's got to be this. Well, you know, if I go on tour, I only take one guitar, so it's always a Strat. So okay. that's basically it all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I feel pretty comfortable on a Tele. Let's put it like that. If I had to go on tour and I can bring two guitars, then it's always a Strat and a Tele. Okay. But if I have to just bring one, it'll be a, a strap. Okay. Yeah. 
because of the versatility that it gives you. Yeah, and, and I can do everything on a Strat. I can't do everything on a Tele. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very it's a very difficult guitar, a Telecaster. People think, but it's. Yeah, I can tell you. Yeah, you know, yeah, it is. <laughs> There's really no way around it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's its own thing, you know. It's not like, you're like, oh, yeah, I can play a telly, no problem. It's not. What about it's your... Uh, say what? I remember the first time I bought a telly, it took me pretty much a year to get it. Yeah, I, I can know? understand that, yes. Yeah. What about amplifiers? Do you have any choice of amplifiers? Yeah, I normally use two rock amps. Two I've rock? been using... Two rocks since, since forever, since pretty much they started, you know? Wow. And yeah. before that, anything or just whatever they um, had? I No, I used Fender amps. Like when I moved, I used to use Twin Reverbs, and then I used uh, Bandmaster. That have, I have like two old Bandmasters that was kind of modified a little bit. Okay. And then I got to the two rock stuff. So basically, then I, what I'm really using is I'm using a Marshall and a two rock. Okay. But I, when I tour... I use the Turok on most of the recordings that I do, at least these last two records, I record a Marshall and a Turok. Okay. A lot of what you hear is the Turok. Sometimes it's okay. mixed with a Marshall. Wow. But so I would say that it's mainly Turok. I do still have a twin and I play some old, you know, I have an old Deluxe and a whole right. Princeton. I still use them all the time, but to do my own gig or to record and get my own, my sound then it's a Turok and an old Marshall. Okay. And yeah. as far as uh uh your choice of effects are there any effects that you are like I must have these without these I'm not going to do anything or whatever. Well, my soundboard is pretty big but but the my sound is pretty basic. Basically You know, uh, my lead tone, my re normal lead tone is just this exotic pedal. They made an RC and an AC right. booster. Right, yes. They made me a signature pedal that's called ACRC. Okay. And basically, it's the RC and the AC together. Okay. And they actually sound better than the two pedals separately. And there's another extra function. So that's my main tone is that pedal. Okay. And then if I want to get a little bluesier, then I'll use an Ibanez 808, CS808. Okay. okay. And then it's funny when you said if you have to have one pedal. I was on tour in China a couple of years ago. And while I was on tour, you know, the, there's a company named Vamaram. They make the Jean Ray and all those pedals. Really expensive, really great pedals. So... They made me a fuzz, and I love that fuzz. And when I was on tour, one of the nights, they didn't have transformers, so I couldn't use my pedal board. Okay. So I ended up playing the whole gig with a wah-wah and that fuzz. Wow. And it was great, and it was super liberating. So I, I love that thing. So there's a fuzz that they made that just have my name on it. The Vamaram fuzz has my name on it. Okay. And that's, that's anytime I need a fuzz, and, you, know, you can also get cool clean tones from it. That's what I use. And I use an Octavia, Dunlop Octavia for the yeah, weird yeah, yeah. stuff. Okay. And, okay. and from there, I have a Leslie pedal that I use, this DLS uh, Rotosim yep. pedal yep. that I use all the time. And it goes to basically two box DD7s. One is a slap deland, one is a one repeat. Okay. And then from there, I used to use the Memory Man for the longer kind of lusher yeah. dip yeah. Now I use, and, and I always use the line six at the end because I do the looping on the line six and all the weird 
effects and all the weird delays are all the line six stuff. Okay. If you ask me what I can't live without, it's probably the line six stuff because I can do so much with it. Okay. You know? So I used to use an M9 for many, many years. Now I'm using the HX, sometimes the M9. So that's pretty much my thing. My okay. Pedal. Okay. So there's a few other things, but that's the basic. Okay. And that's 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 true for recording also. Yeah, everything. Same. Okay. Okay. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, I want to play one more song, and I think you called it. Bemsha swing? Yeah, that's it. Uh, by the way, the evidence is a Thelonious Monsoon, and Bemsha swing is a, is a Thelonious Monsoon also. Okay, so let's yeah. have a listen to that one. Sure. Yes, guys, you got to go and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so that track, I, I can talk a little bit about that track. It's interesting. Yeah. If you want to hear all the wacky stuff that I do with a line six pedal, just listen to that track. There's like all those, oh yeah, all those weird guitars, all those, it's all, it's all, it's all me and the line six. And it's all live. It's not overdub. It's all oh, happens it? in real. Everything, wow, no overdub. Wow. I think there's a I tell you what yeah. else I hear, and tell me, and and correct me if I if I'm wrong. On this one in particular, I hear uh, a Jeff Beck and uh, Scott Henderson, maybe kind of influence there. It's all everything is in my plan. You know, uh, so especially uh, remind me the uh, Guitar Shop album. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the first. Makes... Do you remember the first song with Terry Buzio? Yeah, you know. So that's kind of like remind me that feel. Hey, I never thought about it, but yeah, you got a point there. Yeah. Right? But I'll tell you I'll tell you another interesting thing about this track. This is the only track I've ever recorded in my life that is a total jam. It was not there was nothing planned on it. Wow. All I did is I brought I brought a melody which is a Thelonious Monk melody and I told them and I made the chords for the solos simpler okay and i there was a vamp in the middle i told him to just play and we just jammed there was no rehearse nothing wow and that's probably the my favorite track i've ever recorded <laughs> i mean it sounds great i mean the first time the, the first the first 10 seconds i've heard of it i've heard it it was like whoa that's yeah, interesting it's, but that's a, it's a total jam it's like a hundred percent yeah from beginning to end 
Now, was it was it one take or was it a few takes? And no, it's a it's well. What we did is uh, we recorded uh, the way I record is we record a bunch of takes and then I edit between them. Right. So that's probably uh, a few takes that I edited into one. Okay. But it's all jamming, it's so all it's, jamming. there's no. The only thing that was overdubbed at the end was Jason Linder is a keyboard player. He played all those synth things on top. Right, yeah. But everything else, it's all jammed out. It's the, you know, there's nothing. Uh, Who's the drummer and the bass player on this one? That's Vinny, Kaluta, and John Petitucci. <laughs> and we actually, what was funny is we recorded it. This is, it says on the record, alternate take, because... On the record before, on the Boogaloogaloo record that I released, there's an actual take, another take of that song with Dave Wackel and James Genus. Oh, wow. And the reason I wrote alternate take on this is because when we went to the studio to record, I just said, like, guys, let's just kind of see what happens. And it was so cool that I was like, yeah, it's, and it's different than the other right. one. I was like, yeah. Let me and, and the one from the previous album that's also was a jam? Yeah, yeah, but it's not as much of a gem. It's a little. It, everything is a gem, but it's not. Right. It's a little more. That one we played, and we kind of knew what we're doing. And it's not that we knew what we're doing. We kind of had an idea of where it's going. It was like a, a constructed uh, ideas. Yeah, this thing was a total gem. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So uh, here we are in 2020. And we never yeah. even realized that this is even possible. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like a movie. <laughs> so how do you, how do you, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, for instance, I've been stuck in the house since March 6th. I never left. And one of the, uh, well, there's two reasons. You never left your house since March? No, no. And the reason is my wife has an underlying condition. So I have to be so careful I got you. for her. And, you know, like I told you in the beginning, I was supposed to be in Israel right now for the uh, uh, a ceremony for my yeah. father and sister. But then my mom, you know, I was worried for her also. Sure. But, but because of my wife, yeah, I never... My shop is in the backyard. You know, this is my studio and yeah. in the other room, it's my shop. So between the house, going to the backyard, getting into my shop, March 6th was the last time that I even got out of the street and drove somewhere. So how do you get food and stuff? You just everything ordered. It's all delivered. It's all delivered. Yeah, yeah. Well, But, I, I mean, not, nothing yeah. I can do. Yeah. So well, what about you? Well, when the thing started, I actually played till the day, till the day before the lockdown. I was doing okay. something with some singer in some club, and it was so I went till, the, and then it was a lockdown that sucked, and then and that lasted about you know you can still you can leave your house, but you have to just be careful. But there was nowhere right. to go, and then at some point towards the middle of May, things started to loosen up a little bit. So I start I called two friends of mine that are in the neighborhood and we started to go to the park by our by my house and play jazz okay so okay. I've, been, i've been playing standards like jazz standards with with a trio from pretty much the end of may till now now it's oh, wow. now i stopped because it's too cold but so i played the whole summer 
I, I played wow. more jazz this summer than I ever played in my life. But it's in the park. I have this little amp, this amp on batteries, and the guy bring an upright and drums. And it's that's been kind of keeping my head together, my chops together, really. Okay. And then wow. And then on top of it, I just do sessions from home and and lessons from home. That's pretty much it. So you do you do lessons from home too? Yeah, like live right stuff from home, or or like right. you know, like sessions and stuff. And and you know, New York has been pretty good in the summer. So you know, there's everything is closed, but restaurants are open and you can sit outside. So it was bearable. You know, you still have to be careful, but at least it right, right. there was some kind of a life you can hang a little bit. Yeah. But now it's, yeah. the thing. The thing is, now it's over. It's done. It's too cold. It started to. Yeah, so now it's now it's gonna be a real lockdown. Yeah. So now it's gonna. <laughs> we'll see what happens, yeah? Maybe now you'll feel what I felt since March. <laughs> well, it, it didn't feel good the first two, three months when you were stuck in the house. That did not feel good yeah. at all. I bet. I, was, bet. I think it was like two, basically two months, and then it started to loosen it up a little bit. Right. And I then it you. was all the riots and all this like curfews. It was crazy. It was just I know. It's, it's, over it's, I know. So who yeah. the hell knows what? That's coming up man let's see what's gonna well, let's see what's gonna happen in a few days exactly that's gonna be an interesting yeah uh, so an interesting thing yeah so uh, so do do you have do you have uh and this this, this question is is for maybe guitar players that want to know um do you have like a warm-up that you like to do before or you just like okay let's go and play i don't have any warm-up I just I I noodle a lot at home on the guitar. So okay. I just like if I watch TV, I just noodle. It doesn't really help me much, but it's just something to do. I I don't think if I'm even gonna warm up, it's gonna really help me when I go up and play. You know, it's funny. This is something in common that you and I have. It's because uh, that never helped me. Yeah. You know, warming up and to like, me, oh, what, you gotta do this and this and. To me, to me, what what makes the difference is. If you used to the sound of the amp and the guitar, and you you kind of to me the war like the to be warm is more like the sound has to be kind of fit in your hands, and if everything reacts well between the amp and your guitar, then you warm up. You know what I mean? Right. But if yeah. but, if, but if I just like play scales and all this shit, and my and my fingers run fast. Still, if the sound sucks or it doesn't react right, it's still gonna matter. Not gonna matter. Right. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this this is exactly like uh, what I feel. I mean, I never, even when I went to school and, you know, we had to do those exercises and all that. Okay, well, maybe for 30 minutes I was, and then I was lost. Sure. You know, it's like, I just couldn't do it. Like, come on, let me, let me just, let me play some Clapton and Gilmore and yeah. Goffler or something. You know, let me just do that. You know, when I'm on tour, a lot of times, well, when you're on tour, you're always warm because you're always playing, you know? Right. But sometimes right, right. before a show, I always have the guitar with me in the back, and I, but I noodle. I don't have exercises. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's okay. just uh, it's just more like noodling than anything else. Let's play one more song before we uh, wrap it. I mean, I can't believe it. it's almost an hour, man. Yeah. It's, like it's been like, it's quick. <laughs> but let me, let's play another song and then we wrap it over here. And I think this one called um, Outer... Out of look. Out of look, yeah, right? Yeah. Cool. There we go.
That feels good. This one feels good. That wall is Ronnie. On the trumpet player. On the trumpet. Yeah. And uh, I think that drums? I think it might have been one of his last recordings. Really, I don't know if he recorded. Is it? I don't know if he wow. recorded much after. Yeah. Wow. And uh, drums is Vinny again. That's Vinny and, and Paratucci still. Yeah. Wow, this is great. Hey, let me ask you a question. It's kind of like a, it's a weird one, but um, you know, you 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 uh, you write instrumentals, and this is something I always was kind of uh, wondering. All those instrumentalists, how you come up with the names? Oh of the songs? yeah, yeah. You, you know, know, a lot of the times it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, actually, <laughs> I actually saw an interview with Pat Martini that he was saying the same thing, which is kind of interesting. But I think what happens. Sometimes if I come up with a title, it's got nothing to do with like some cool name or a sentence or something. I have a little book that I write it on. And, okay. and then when I write tunes, I'll look at that book. I was like, is this name going to fit this song pretty much? Gotcha. Okay. But on this specific song, Outer Look, is, um, it's based off a Joe Henderson song called Inner Urge. So I kind of try to... Which the like twisted, okay. Yeah. And actually, actually, Snapdragon is the same thing. It's another Joe Henderson song that's called Bar Black Narcissist, which is a flower. Narcissist. Nar oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Which is a flower. So I kind of found a like Snapdragon is a different kind of flower. You know, it's like dumb. Right. You know? Okay. So it's just it's just like a random thing. Yeah, it's got nothing mind. to do with anything. I got you. Because, you know, that was always kind of like, you know, when with songs, it's easy to write a name for the song. It's either part, you know, a lot like of maybe there's the way a you phrase. Write, a lot of them, the way you write songs is you come up with a title first. Exactly, you know. And then all these instruments, like, where they come up with these names? Especially over here, some of the names, like, you know, that you were choosing. It's like, where do you come up with these names? <laughs> yeah, I know, it's weird. Well, Oz, I, I hope that you had a good time because I was uh, I enjoyed it really really awesome. really enjoyed it. I, yeah. I'm I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you uh, uh, got this day for me. Take me a little bit away from the sadness. That yeah, I hear you. Me, I'm but but uh, it was a pleasure. I stay safe. You too. And uh, and we'll be in touch. Awesome. Okay, man. All right. Cool. All Thank right, you. Bye. Thanks, bye. bye. Yes, that was my conversation with Osnoy, and I hope you guys enjoyed it because I did. It was a great show. Um, I will include Oz information, his music, his um, albums, and all everything you need to know about Oz on the show note. Um, thank you for listening, and please subscribe so you will be notified. Um, of the next shows coming up. Some exciting ones. See you soon.